The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode number 597 for Monday, March 21st, 2016. Greetings, folks, and welcome. Mac Observers, Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in questions, tips, and cool stuff found. We share your tips, we share your cool stuff found, we answer your questions. As a community, we all come together to try and increase our collective knowledge with the goal of each of us learning at least three new things every, every, every time we get together. That's three right there. This episode has three sponsors. Three is the magic number. Pro XPN. At proxpn.com slash MacGeekCab offers you a free VPN. And if you need more bandwidth than the free one provides, coupon code GAB50 will uh, get you 50% off. We'll talk more about that shortly here. Otherworld Computing at MacSales.com, one of our favorite places for upgrades. We'll talk more about that. And of course, BB Edit from Barebones Software. We will talk more about that too here in Durham, New Hampshire. With whatever voice I seem to have left for the day, all for you, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here, in uh, previously snowy, but not anymore, it's all gone, <laughs> uh, in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. How goes it, John F. Braun? Good. I got all, all, sorts, of, all sorts of things, to new things in my life here, but um, maybe we should um, maybe defer those and okay. talk about... The, the new thing that happened today is that uh, uh, I believe that our friends at Apple had their very last event, Tim and company, had their very last event at uh, what, what is called Town Hall and uh, introduced uh, a few new things. Not Nothing earth-shattering, in my humble opinion, but... Um, no, I, it, I don't it, think it was earth-shattering. It, it's interesting, I guess, um, so, so I want to address that point because that, that was something that they said at the end of it and probably was uh, the reason for the name of the event, right? Let us loop you in. It was the, the final event uh, that they plan to have anyway at Infinite Loop. So there will most likely be another announcement in June, but that would be at WWDC, so that'll happen at, at the Moscone in San Francisco, and then again, most likely an event or two in the fall if they follow their own schedule. But those typically also happen uh, either in downtown San Francisco uh, near the Moscone Center, but typically not at it or uh, in San Jose. The, the theater at, at Apple's campus in Cupertino is tiny. I mean, if it holds 200 people, I'd be surprised. I think I mean, it's really small. So um so yeah, this this would be it for them. Then. Yeah, I yeah. did like some of the things they did at the beginning. Um, so one I did notice, I think it's the first time they did this. So they were using Beats One to mm. uh, feed in the music. I noticed that, and Makes uh, sense. you know, rather than the uh, <laughs> you know that disaster they had with the TV van <laughs> that one time. So that was interesting. That's the first time I think they ever did that. It and, is. Uh, yep. I got yep. to hear, hear Beats One because I, I don't subscribe to it or anything. Oh, right. I did like the uh, 40 Years and 40 Seconds uh, video. That was a very nice tribute. The The chuckle I got out of it was at one point they, uh, you know, showed something referring to the Newton and then they scribbled it out. Yeah. I, I also <laughs> noticed that the um, the the uh, rainbow pinwheel 
spiraling pinwheel of death uh, was given about a second. So if you extrapolate that out, um, I think that's about right, because we've all probably seen that cumulatively. We each have seen that for a year of our uh, computing lives. So so that that one second out of 40 seemed like an appropriate amount of time for the uh, for the spiraling rainbow pinwheel. Yeah, but it was nice that they I think they touched on all the high points of, you know, all the things they've introduced. And then um, uh, the one comment I have is that I I have to give um, I, I was surprised that Tim publicly uh gave the fbi a smackdown um uh, yeah the, he, he he feels very strongly about privacy and customer privacy and what the fbi is trying to do and uh i think that's that's all i'll say about it i i uh, know i think I, I, I think it was i understand his uh, i understand apple's position um about overreach and uh you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, but but uh, again, I was surprised that he vocalized this. Um, I'm not. I'm not surprised. Uh, really? Not at okay. all. Well, no. Think about it. You know, the FBI has uh, Apple and the FBI have worked together on many things over the years, and not one of them has ever been made public by either party. Uh, the FBI chose to make this particular request in public, uh, likely. Uh, my guess is because they want to have the public weigh in on this, right? It was the, it would be the only reason. And it, and it makes sense, right? They want policy to change. And so they figured, all right, we've got this terrorist phone and uh, you know, it's our best chance at swaying public opinion, but it was the FBI's choice to play this out in public. So Apple, Apple has to, they threw down the gauntlet. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think we're not getting political here. We're just stating the facts of the situation and uh and i guess yeah he felt it was important enough to uh yeah they to gotta talk about. i mean it, it, listen if they've got the public stage they would, they would be fools not to address it especially in light of the fact that tomorrow is uh, a fairly large hearing about this in in uh, riverside uh, at the courthouse there brian chaffin actually is on his way there as we are speaking and recording this right now to uh to cover that that hearing and hopefully he'll be able to get a seat inside and all that good stuff so should be very interesting. Yeah, I thought, and then they, so they did the FBI thing and then they talked about the environment and health for a little while. And then in the end, kind of looking back when the event barely reached the one hour mark before they ended it, I thought, man, they didn't have a whole lot to say today. They had to, they had to pad time in the beginning. It seemed like, um, this was a very, very short event for Apple. Yeah. So. And there was no one more thing. Um, but you know some of the things at the beginning, I, I thought research kit and care kit. Um, oh, it's good stuff. But um, you know, to spend good, all that time talking good. about the environment, yeah, there was a lot of feel good stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then they got into um, you know some of the products, which I think are good. Um, I'll go a bit out of order, to, just because yeah. I, I no, think they this, stay out this, of order. That's fine. Yeah. All right. Well, well, no. This this is of interest to me, and I think the reason they mentioned this. So, of course, they uh, introduced the new phone, which is kind of, I would say, it's an iPhone four, but well, it's, no, an it's an iPhone, iPhone four. It's an iPhone well, six, it, mostly. Well, yeah, but 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 it's the form factor of the old phone, but it it's got the new the it's got the juice. It's got the right. new stuff. Well, it, most most of the new stuff, to my right. knowledge, it doesn't have three D touch. Right. Right. So right, that's but it has the the better processor. Yes. I think the better camera, Apple Pay, and things like that. Touch and ID. Also, the price point is, you know, at a point, and the, the reason it's important to me is because Apple 
really got punished by Wall Street. And, you know, of course, uh, for those that trade in stocks like me, I wasn't too happy with their reaction to Apple's last results. And, and I think th- they want to they make a point that, okay, we're introducing a, a lower price point to try to regain the market share that everybody seems to be concerned about, I, I think was uh, one of the takeaways that I would take from the, the iPhone SE. Now, <laughs> I think the naming is funny because I, I do believe, my friend, that the Mac SE was one of the first, the first Mac that I believe you purchased or owned. Is, is that correct? I had a, no, I had an SE 30. Uh, SE 30. Okay. Yeah, but it had the, an SE in it. It did. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was, that was what special edition, right? Was what SE stood for. In, I think in it was system model. expansion. Oh, is that right? It? Well, I think I it's know. because it had a slot, right? It I'm pretty sure the SE is for system slot. expansion. Ah, it was you might be right. It does. You're right. It stood for system expansion. So this is not system expansion. I'm, I'm actually really surprised they didn't call it the iPhone mini just to kind of fit in with the rest of the product line. Um, I do want to, I do want to offer a correction before we get too far away from this. You said it was the same size as the iPhone four. That's incorrect. It's the same size as the iPhone five and five S. Yeah. All right. Smaller. uh, Okay. But smaller than the, the intent was to make it smaller than the the six. Oh yeah. No, it was to go back to that, that size uh, of the phone. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still, I, I do know a few people that, would not upgrade to the six because they liked the sides of the five and the five S I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I, I guess, um, I guess this was a good move for Apple, but time will tell. Mm. It, it seems a little odd to me mm. now to have, you know, three sizes of phone, but maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's not that odd. It, it's, it seems, it seems tough for developers, but maybe, maybe I'm overstating that. Yeah. And the pricing, um, three ninety nine retail, um, yeah. uh, I, I don't know if, uh, a 16 gig phone <laughs> thrills me, <laughs> but if you want the 64 gigs, it's four ninety nine. So it's the, uh, I think the lowest priced, uh, the lowest yeah. price iPhone at this point. So, so again, I, I think it's a, a nod to those that are concerned about Apple losing market share because their products are too expensive. Right. So, um, right. Yeah. It, it's interesting seeing Apple make a move like this um, to, to, to appease wall street. It almost seems like, I mean, I'm hoping that they're really doing it to appease customers, but again, they're not, you know, they don't have a history of being a company that just does things because customers want them. In fact, they've done exactly the opposite. They've said, people don't know what they want until we give it to them. So, <laughs> I, you know, it's just, it's, it's a shift, right? This is not, I, this would, I would say that, and I know Apple's not looking backwards at all, but if I'm looking backwards, I would say this is not a move Steve Jobs would have made. No. Um, and, you know, speaking of, I did, uh, I, I actually did rent the, uh, the latest movie or I got mm. it. But I finally tracked it down at our, uh, to take a little tangent here. And, uh, but that was one of his uh, mantras was, sure. you don't know what you want. I'm going to tell you what you want and you're going to like it. <laughs> And I think Tim Tim has his own style, and I think uh, Tim and, and the rest of the team are, are uh, deviating from that. Yeah, I, I, I think I would agree that uh, because their their product line is starting to get more complex, which is another thing that I think Steve was very adamant about. Is you know we got to keep it simple, man. We can't have the days of having 
20 different models of performers. Or, I mean, remember that? Remember that? I mean, that was, that was a nightmare, I think, for everybody, for, for Apple and for customers, because it was confusing. And it, I, I just hope, I hope Apple doesn't move too far away from hmm. where they are now, which is, you know, keep it simple, guys. You know, keep, keep the quadrants, keep... And, and now I think, that, so they have, what, five choices for phones? So it's, it's still, it's not too complex, I think, for no, most consumers. No, it but could, it could get, I mean, you know, it's a slippery slope, right? You know, if you offer a phone for every person that asks for, a, a you know, one iteration off of it, uh, things could get dicey. We go, we go right back to the performer days. But uh, well, we're not there yet. I mean, it, it, you know, it's pretty far from there. And then, of course, there's the... Uh, the, well, there's the iPad Pro Mini or iPad Pro 9.7 inch size, uh, which is really an iPad Air with iPad Pro guts and and actually more than just guts. But but uh, I you know I think that's a smart move for them. Uh, there are people that want a monster screen to draw on, and there are people that want the iPad Air size, and there are people that want the iPad Mini size. To be quite frank, and I think it's smart for them to uh, you know keep the guts upgraded in the you know quote-unquote standard size ipad that totally makes sense yeah and again i think they you know addressed a pricing concern so i i have some notes in front of me here so i think you know the entry level is um 599 of the ipad pro correct yeah yeah yeah. Uh, and then i think I, i don't know if they've ever done this before but hey if you want 256 gigs hey if you want to pay for it sure they'll offer that i i i don't believe they've ever offered a 256 gig no uh, ipad so that's another thing yep. i guess they're because yeah some people i mean you know once you get your movies and your music and, and all that stuff there i mean you know I, I still think 16 is insufficient on the iphone any iphone for, for I, yeah. anybody that does anything beyond using it as something to run apps i mean once you start getting into pictures and especially movies and stuff i mean 16 gigs you deplete that pretty quick. I agree. I, I in fact, it, it frustrates me to no end that Apple will let people buy a 16 gig device. I, I suppose there are plenty of people that are happy with them, but uh, the largest complaint or issue that I hear of from people who have bought the 16 gig phone is that it's a 16 gig phone and that, you know, they run out of room, like you said, for pictures or even just messages. Right. I mean, my daughter, now she's a 16 year old kid. Uh, so she's, you know, I mean, she and her friends text a lot of pictures back and forth and all that. She has six gigs worth of messages on her phone and good luck uh, figuring out how to clear those out w- without driving yourself crazy. I mean, the, the only option you have is to go into uh, into settings messages. I'll get you there. Hang on. Settings messages, and then uh, you choose how long you want to. There's a message history option uh, about uh, I don't know three quarters of the way toward the end, and you can choose to keep them forever, thirty days or one year. If you set that to thirty days or a year, it'll it'll uh, begin the process of pruning those out. But that's a that can be you know with sixteen gigs on the phone, it doesn't leave you a whole lot left if you're keeping all your messages. So. Right. Well, you bring up a good point that that touches on questions that we've we, we constantly receive. Especially, I've 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 been working with one person who is getting frustrated with the uh, free iCloud. Yeah. Because if you back up normally, the phone will back up everything, including messages. And and actually, I think that this is a tip that they offer in one of their support articles. And you know, I'll try to dig it up, but. 
messages get backed up. And if messages have movies or pictures, that gets backed up. And you yep. can deplete your five gig freebie uh, pretty quickly. Uh, there are other ways to do it, but I think that's that's one of them that not a lot of people realize. Yep. Um, all right. Yeah, so it's we cool. Had the phone, and then we got we had the iPad. Um, and then, yeah, I guess uh, uh, not a biggie, or at least for me, I mean, I just applied it, but so iOS 9.3, you, you touched on some of the features and I haven't seen some of the newbies. I, I assume that's where you were going. Yeah, it is. Well, we've got nine, iOS 9.3, tvOS 2.2, or tvOS, uh, what is it, 9.3? I'm going to confuse this. I, and I apologize for the way my throat is today. In fact, it's I, <laughs> it's far better than I expected it to be, you know, 15 minutes into the show. I thought I'd be out of a voice. I had a cold last week and it that uh, I sang yesterday but anyway uh, and then so there's the new TV OS and I, I is that still that's 9.3 right if I'm not getting that right and then I don't have the version because I don't have that okay well look it up for me while I'm talking here and then uh, and then there's there's watch OS 2.2 and then OS 10 10.11.4 uh, right all of which came out today uh, or, or are on their way out today so that's the, uh, and there's, and there's lots of stuff in there, right? The, the, oh, the new OS 10 update gives you the, uh, no. So TV OS is also 2.2. I knew I had that. Yeah. 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 I right. I was driving myself. Yeah. Crazy. I'm looking at the site called Mac observer. The yeah, yeah, yeah. They're usually pretty good about that. Yeah. yeah. So TV OS 2.2, watch OS 2.2. Uh, okay. But, but continue. Please. Yeah. Well, it, you know, 10.11.4 is pretty good because it, updates messages to add live photo support. So if you send live photos to people, they'll get those in their messages now and, and can see them as live photos in, uh, in on OS 10. And it also allows for the secure notes to sync between iOS, which is new in iOS 9.3 and OS 10, 10.11.4. So some good stuff there. I like it. And, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll be happy tonight. In fact, as the, uh, as, as, as we record, we're, we're doing this one in the evening folks. And so John, your phone probably will shift into, uh, night shift mode at some point when you hit, uh, if you've turned it really? on yeah, how, Well, how does it no, no, I, I know. How it well, yeah, go into settings on your phone into dis display and oh, brightness yeah. and then uh, night shift mode. You can turn it on and, and have it go automatically scheduled. I go, uh, sunset Display to sunrise. Auto ah, night shift is off. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm. I I highly recommend turning it on. Uh, turn set it, on. it set it from sunset to sunrise, and then you've got to decide. There's a color temperature slider at the bottom. Once it's on, uh, you mm -hmm. can slide that around and decide. You know where you want that to live. On mine, I have it about uh, what is it? Two or three notches left of center. Uh, and that seems to work well for me. Right. Well, I turned it on, and it, by default, uh, it scheduled it from 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. So, uh, and you can change that to sunsets to sunrise, yeah, which, yeah. I, which I find pretty handy, especially when traveling around and, and things are a little different. You've got to, if, if you do this, though, oh, and I've mentioned well, I'm this. change that. Okay, so I changed it. So now sunrise. Uh, okay. And, uh, all right. Neat. Well, all right. I, so I got that on. So uh, but we'll, we'll see how I feel tonight. Here's the thing. If you do this on your phone and your iPad and all of that stuff, you'll like it. And But you have to have all your devices the same if you're using them all kind of interchangeably at night. It'll seem really weird jumping from, a, you know, a phone that's on this to an iPad that's not. And as I've mentioned in previous shows, it's going to seem really strange jumping to your Macs once you've got this on your on your devices. So on my laptop, I had to install Flux to... Uh, 
to to make the same adjustment. And I just adjusted flux to match the the white point of my phone when it's on uh, when it's on this mode, and then and then everything's good. But it was like I I would pick up my Mac and it would sear my retinas uh, with you know just how different the white point was. So it's pretty cool. We'll put a link to flux in the show notes for the third time in a row. I think. Um, yeah, we already have. Yeah, it's just get flux.com. Yeah. So, all right. I think we're done with the, well, they talked about some new adapters. Like they, did I hear something? They were talking about ethernet to, uh, I, I heard some people mumbling about that, that apparently now the new adapters enable ethernet. Yeah. With the uh, iPad pro because it's a powered port. So you can, if you get the, the USB adapter, the camera kit, as they call it, uh, it will have a USB adapter on it or a USB port on it uh, out of the lightning port. And then you can plug in ethernet and actually it works. It it has worked for a while on the, uh, on the iPad uh, previous, but you had to monkey with it to get it to work. Uh, this actually makes it like officially supported in a good way, which is great. I think it's a, it's a great thing. Why not? Right. You should be able to. Okay. And I guess the, uh, the final thing, and then we'll move to yeah. We've got some great schedule tips. program. Yep. Um, Apple Watch two ninety nine. All right. The uh, Sport uh, Watch was dropped in uh, price. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, not a big surprise that they typically do this. They lower prices of mature products or popular products. Uh, pretty my, much. <laughs> my guess is we'll see an, an update, like a, 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 a an update to the product line in the fall. For the Apple Watch, I think the Apple Watch, and Rift of course too. the new straps, which you know, I mean, it, it makes me chuckle sometimes. I mean, I know it's fun to be invited to these as a member of the press, but you know, they're like, "Oh, we got a nylon band," and everybody's like, "Yay!" And I'm like, "Well, guys, it's like a nylon band." I mean, yeah, is it really that? Well, something to you know, cheer about. Well, it, look, it, here's the thing about the Apple Watch: it's really easy to change the band on it. Uh, it's something you can do without any tools. It takes all of about. 15 seconds to pop a new band on. So it's really easy to kind of move back and forth between other bands. Apple's bands are traditionally very expensive, but you can go onto Amazon or Alibaba and find really inexpensive, decent quality bands. I've got, I think I've mentioned it before, but I've got five or six of them that, you know, all told I spent about a hundred bucks on, you know, they were all less than 20 bucks a piece. And I've had a black Milanese loop band for a while that up until today you couldn't get from Apple and a leather band and, you know, all kinds of stuff. So it is, it's fun. And I, the nylon, I think it's cool. Uh, they did it a little differently than I expected. Uh, you know, when I think nylon band, I think the traditional NATO strap kind of thing for a watch and theirs is a, a kind of a different take on it. So I think it's cool. I, I think it's, it, it's, it's part of what the watch is. I think that's great. So, okay. Well, maybe I'll consider now that it's a lower price point, maybe I'll consider one. I think um, you'd like it, to be honest. The thing is, I've already purchased a new computer, Dave. Talk, do tell. Well, I'll, I don't want it all to be about me and you, but no, it is all about us. No. <laughs> So the thing is, Dave, I finally got an email from the refurb store saying, you know what? The Mac mini that is the Mac mini of your dreams is in stock. Would you like to get it? So I got it and it's on the way. And actually I chose the option because Apple, typically Apple ships things via FedEx and they require a signature. And the thing is, you know, I'm I'm a busy guy. I'm not always home. You know, I'm out and about stuff, you know, uh, scoring points on uh, Swarm, 
you know, uh, crushing my enemies, which uh, so far I'm getting pretty good at that. <laughs> your, your, your watch will make Swarm an easier app to use, you know, if you get the Apple Watch. So, Yeah, it was pretty good on the phone. I, I like Swarm. Swarm is actually yeah. kind of fun. The, between that and Foursquare, I'm having a lot of fun with it. But finally, Dave, so I got the, uh, so, so it's a 2014 Mac Mini uh, 2 point, uh, I, I don't have it in front of me right now. But, okay. it, but it's the machine of my dreams, and my justification for upgrading is right now my MacBook Pro, which is a 2012, I believe, has USB 3 and Thunderbolt. The thing is, my Mac Mini right now, which is a 2010, which is a bit long in the tooth, has USB 2 and no uh, Thunderbolt. So it's just kind of lagging as far as peripheral support. So this 2014 Mac Mini that I got from the refurb store for like five-something... Um, I, I had to do it. I, I just want to get my machines in sync. So what right what kind of processor? Well, I think it's a... Uh, I'll try to bring up my order. Okay. Which actually, you know what? Uh, uh, so while I'm babbling here, I can bring it up. So, dude, the Apple Store app on the phone actually has it. Because the thing is... Of course. So if you can at all purchase things under your Apple ID, do it. And that's what I did. So as soon as I went to the refurb store and they said, hey, would you like to buy this? You know, please log in. And I'm like, well, I'm going to log in with my Apple ID that I have all my other things under. Of course. And I did that. And actually right now, um, so I'll give you a high level. So if I go to Apple store, you know, logs me right in and uh, orders. So, um, and now it's saying touch ID. Uh, you're going to walk, you're actually going to walk us through this here, John, right? We've all been well, using I'm already the Apple on the Store screen. app. Okay, all right. Well, no, refurbished Mac Mini 2.6 gigahertz, dual core Intel Core i5. Okay. Uh, okay, so it's the it, okay, so it's the the i5. All right. Yeah, so it's the latest. Uh, plenty of horsepower for me, um, and it has USB three, has Thunderbolt. Um, it comes with, and the thing is, you can still replace the drive on this. So the thing is, it has eight gigs of RAM, which for me is fine because that's what I have on my Mini right now, and that's fine. Uh, and it comes with one terabyte drive, which I'm going to rip out of there at some point because it's a you know like Apple typically does. They they put rather low powered uh, rotational drives in their machine, so it's a one terabyte 5400. I'll probably use it for backup, but um, mm-hmm. and I chose to have it delivered to my local Apple store, currently oh, that's my favorite cool. Apple store in Trumbull, sure. rather than doing the delivery thing. So the thing is, I'm going to get a notification. I signed up for a notification. Uh, saying, you know, when it arrives there, let me know and I'll, you know, drive to the Trumbull Mall and uh, and pick it up. Cool. But uh, it was about time and I've already got um, uh, a mutual friend of ours, I, I think uh, I'm in discussions with to uh, to uh, give this machine a, a new home because it's still usable for sure. certain things. But again, I, I wanted to get something that was on parity with my portable as far as ports. Uh, was really my justification and secondary. Now, you, was, but your portable is quad core, right? Not just dual core. Uh, well, depending on who you talk to, I mean, the thing is, my portable. So I'm looking here. It's a 2.3 gigahertz Intel Core i7, which okay. Uh, depending on who you talk to, is either a quad core or some programs actually reported as an eight. Uh, right. Eight well, core it's, machine. it's it's hyper threading. So hyper threading. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's still not quite on par with your laptop. In terms of, but I was really looking for the thing I was really looking for, my friend, was USB three. Having one machine with USB three and the other with USB two is just and Thunderbolt. The thing is, this yeah. the, the the portable has Thunderbolt and Mac Mini twenty ten does not. So 
Um, right. you know, they, they had a lapse where they, they, you know, were kind of stagnating on, on, you know, what they were offering for ports. So, uh, I'm curious, I'm curious how much of a speed Delta you notice on that machine going, uh, be, being that it's still dual core. I'm, I, and, 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 uh, selfishly, uh, not, not necessarily to publish, but I would love to have video on while we do this show and right now our the reason we can't do that uh, yes is because your machine's not fast enough so i'm hoping your new machine is fast enough just I'm for you and i to have a video stream between us to get each other's attention and all that good stuff it, it works yes. out quite well yeah that was my thought and i suspect that the, well this because the thing is this machine still with the core 2 duo which you know it's a fine processor in the day yeah but um this thing will regularly peg at 100 percent the thing is, my MacBook Pro typically doesn't. Now, this new machine is an i5. Okay, it's not an i7. And it's also suspect, half, the, half the cores. That's my big concern is that you probably, eh, I don't think you eh, bought it's enough gonna be cores. Better. Yeah, oh. it's an iteration. I don't, sorry, I don't mean to to uh, burst your post-purchase bubble. I'm, I'm hoping it works out well for well, you. Well, I can. I do believe I can return it if I'm you can. happy. That's true. Um, yeah, that's true. I do believe it's a return policy, but yep. I, I suspect that cool. it will serve my needs. But cool. you and I, yeah, that was in the back of my mind because I know that you have this fixation on, on us doing video. <laughs> yeah, well, it would be a good thing. Yeah, yeah. All right, okay. let's... Um, I, we've got some great tips. Do the show. <laughs> yeah, no, we've got some great tips to go through here. In fact, we this would normally be a cool stuff found week if we balance with our our um, our our back and forth, you know, uh, split between the two tips and then cool stuff found. But we have so many good ones that I want to get to those. But first, if uh, if it's all the same to you, John, I would love to talk about our three sponsors. Outstanding. All right. Our first sponsor today is one that started out as a cool stuff found. That is Pro XPN. Now, this is a VPN. This allows you to ensure that you have a secure connection from wherever you are so that the people that manage the connection where you are cannot see it, cannot see anything. In fact, all they can see is that you are connecting to a VPN service. They don't know what you're doing. They don't know anything very, very handy, especially if you're out working in a coffee house or, uh, you know, on a hotel network or really anywhere you are. The thing I like about Pro XPN is that they want as little information about you as possible. If you go to proxpn.com slash MacGeekGab, you can sign up for a free account, 100% free. They don't ask for your credit card. This isn't some trial or anything. It is 100% free for life. Now, if you need to use more bandwidth than the free account allows, and the free account's pretty good, it'll let you check your email and do a couple of things. And if you're just using it periodically, that's probably going to be enough for you. But if you need more, coupon code GAB50, G-A-B-5-0, saves you up to 50% off of their pro plans that give you far more bandwidth and all of that good stuff. One thing I want to talk about in terms of their privacy, especially in light of everything that's happening with uh, Apple and all of that stuff right now, they have on their website what's called a canary policy. Now, this is on their uh, on their privacy page there. It's possible that they could get served 
not only a subpoena for information, but a gag order, which means they can't tell you they've received a subpoena. So instead, what they do is every day they go on their website and they say, for example, as of 2016-0321, we have not had any gag orders relating to our users or our IPs. They update this every day. So if they don't update it, A, they haven't broken the gag order, and B, you know that they've gotten one. So I think that's pretty cool, and I like the concept of a canary policy, and I'm glad that they do this. you got to check it out, proxpn.com slash macgeekgab, where coupon code GAB50 saves you up to 50% off of their pro services. However, proxpn.com slash macgeekgab will get you a free VPN for life. Go check it out right now. Our thanks to ProXPN for sponsoring this episode. Our second sponsor are our good friends at Otherworld Computing, also known as MacSales.com. And really, that's all you need to know to get started finding all the things you might want to upgrade your Mac. Uh, They've got some great SSD upgrades for uh, both the MacBook Pro from 2013 to current, as well as the MacBook Air 2013 to current. The uh, both can now be upgraded to one terabyte. That's a big deal. Uh, You know, you're carrying this thing around with you. You want to have all your stuff with you. Having a terabyte inside that thing makes a big, big difference. And Otherworld Computing has figured it out and sells you not only the drive, the actual hardware, but they also have the instructions and the tools so that you can put this thing in yourself. We like to do stuff ourselves here. Uh, And, you know, the big problem with doing stuff yourself on a laptop is not knowing what to do often. um, Sometimes it's just impossible, but other times you just need to know the steps and Otherworld Computing takes care of providing you with the steps as well as the tools if you need them. If you already have the tools, well, they'll still give you the steps. You can save a little bit of money on the tools. So you got to check this out. Go to uh, maxsales.com and check out their SSD flash storage upgrade options for both your MacBook Air and your MacBook Pro. If you need RAM, if you need uh, an external hard drive, really anything to upgrade your Mac, this is where I start. You got to check it out. MacSales.com. Our thanks to Otherworld Computing for sponsoring this episode. Our third sponsor for today is Barebones Software at Barebones.com. The folks there are, are geeks. There's no question about it. But they're geeks in the best way because they are meticulous geeks. And they meticulously handcraft their software and it feels like it. You can tell just by using it that they care about every little nuance. I know these people. They don't take themselves too seriously, but they take their work extremely seriously. Very carefully crafting each and every bit of the software that they deliver to you. BB Edit, I've mentioned this a million times, I'm going to say it again, is a piece of software that I cannot live without. We're using it literally right now as we're doing this show and crafting our own show notes for you. We can only hope to craft our show notes with the same meticulousness. Is that a word? That the folks at Barebones used to create the software that we use to do at BB Edit. Really, really awesome stuff. Everything that you go to do in BB Edit, it's obvious they've tried this and worked out the entire flow. And it just keeps 
getting better, even when you didn't think it needed to. For example, uh, you know, I like to use BB Edit all the time to compare two documents. And that works great. And it always has worked great. But in the latest version, they actually made it so that it opens up this whole new compare window that's all in one, shows you both documents, shows you the changes at the bottom. But as you're going through it, it moves both documents in parallel to each other so that you can really see where you are and what you're looking at. Awesome stuff. You got to check it out. Go to barebones.com. Check out BB Edit. You can download a free trial. I highly recommend it. Let us know what you think. And our thanks to Barebones for sponsoring this episode. It's tip time, folks. We promised it. Here it comes. The first tip that uh, we want to share today is from Borge. I believe I've got the pronunciation right. And he says, uh, I just heard Matt Keekab 596. And you talk about Total Finder and its ability to cut and paste. You said that it's not possible in the Finder, but it is. It's not called out. But just highlight your file that you wish to move in the Finder and use Command-C to copy it like you would. Now comes the trick. Instead of using Command-V to paste, use Option-Command-V to move it. That effectively is the same as cut and paste. Since you can also find it in the edit menu if, of course, you hold down the Option key. Since this has been possible in several versions of OS X. Thank you so much, Borsch. That's, uh, that's a huge tip. And uh, obviously it, it taught us something. So there's, there's definitely one thing that we've learned today and uh, we're happy to share it. So good stuff. Right, John? It's, it's close enough. <clears throat> it's not exactly the same, but I would say yes. Thank you. Mm. And we had multiple people, I, I think, fours with a, a slash to the O. I like that. Yeah, that's good. With the, uh, a true zero. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on to Dominic. Uh, Dominic writes uh, again about show 596 another possibility for the guy with the problem with the ethernet port on his thunderbolt display is that a firmware update might make it go away since the latest update version 1.2 says in Apple's vague way that it improves reliability when connecting devices and Dominic found that it solved an ethernet issue for him. So thank you so much, Dominic, for, uh, for sharing that too. It's always important to remember that those updates are out there. So good stuff, John, on the tips front, you found something cool. You found, uh, well, I'll let you take it. Yes, I did. <clears throat> so we were talking about time machine and how sometimes time machine may, uh, back up certain things and take up tons of space. Yes. Um, and then I thought I was being clever. Uh, so the thing is, I found something in a, so application support. So if you go to slash library, I believe application support, a lot of applications will put things there. And I found this as did, uh, uh some other listeners, um, that certain apps will put rather large files in there. And by default, uh, time machine will back them up. Well, I found, and then Dave, you scratched your head because I thought I was doing something clever. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to exclude slash library slash cash cash is right. Right. You're like, eh, I don't think that's necessary, dude, because I, I'm pretty sure Time Machine excludes that. Yeah. The thing is, it allowed me to put it there and it actually even reported the size of it. Sure. But then I found uh, at Stack Exchange. So the thing is, Dave, yes, there is. So you were correct. Okay. Um, uh, 
which is often the case, but not always. But no, in this case, not, you were correct. It's not always the case. Despite <laughs> how confident I might sound about things, it, it's possible. Yeah, that's right. So I'm glad you checked this. But the thing is, so I found an article at Stack Exchange, uh, and we'll, of course, link to it in the lovingly handcrafted with BB Edit show notes. Um, there is a list of standard, what, what they call standard exclusions. Um, and where can you find this list? Well, I'm not going to list all the things because there's a lot of them and it include, it actually included these cache directories, Dave, which is a smart thing because what, duh, why back up caches? Right. Right. Um, and quickly it's in slash system slash library slash core services. So be careful because once you get in core services, you know, don't, don't change things in there. But, but beyond that slash backup D, which is the, backup process dot bundle slash content slash resources slash std exclusions dot p list mm. if you open that p list file that will show you all of the directories the time machine just ignores cool so to your point if you want to know whether what you're adding to the exclusion list uh is redundant um that's the place to look again Please just open that file. Do not change it. If you want to change it, um, you're on your own. Can you just <laughs> use um, a quick look in the finder to just hit the space bar and see the contents without even able, being able to edit it? Uh, I do not know. Okay. I double clicked on it. And actually, by default, if you have the developer tools in, in, uh, installed, mm -hmm. it will, I think it runs Xcode or I think property, something called oh, property list editor. List, P list yeah. editor. Yeah. Um, and it showed me and yeah, you have to click on the triangles, but, um, mm. but it's a good point. Yeah. Time machine is smart enough not to back up caches and other things that are, I would say transitory or things that don't make sense to back up. Right. Logs, I think are one of those things too, that it, it that, just doesn't grab. I'm almost certain. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. Who, who needs, needs that stuff? Right. So, well, uh, yeah. well, you right. may, yeah. If you want to, then, but this is good to know in that, uh, now things like, um, you know, carbon copy cloner, I'm sure do not do this. Well, they, they have, well, up. no carbon copy cloner, I believe will, will skip caches as well. You know what? I think you're right too. Yeah. So carbon copy cloner, I think what you want to do is you may want to go to an advanced mode to see what it excludes. I, I don't think it's as comprehensive as Time Machine as far as what it excludes, but it will exclude certain things. Like, for example, I found this out. It excludes its own uh, um, flashback directory, whatever it's called. I'm yeah. To remember here. It's, it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a safety net. Safety net, yeah. Yep. Duh. It excludes that because it's like, dude, why are you backing up you know, right. <laughs> old versions of things that you already backed up. So it excludes that I found, but it uh, excludes other things as well, but you have to go to the advanced mode. Kind of uh, what we just told you just, to do here. Yeah, exactly. Is, this is cool. Hey, um, so Bruce wrote in and he said, here's an excellent and fascinating article on four digit pins that I thought you guys would appreciate. And sure enough, he's, he's totally right. Um, it, it's, it's this article, what someone did, is they went and looked at, I guess they, I don't know, they found files of, of four digit pins that people had used. And, uh, and they kind of did a, a, an analysis on them all. Right. And they did some cool things with that analysis. And we'll, we'll put a link to the article in the show notes, but they listed the top 20 pins 
right? That people use. And one, two, three, four is by far the most common. So they, he, <laughs> they say they found 3.4 million uh, examples of re- like real world examples of four digit passwords. And then they did this analysis on them all. So 10.7% of those passwords were one, two, three, four. That the second most common was one, 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 one. And then you've got kind of all the repeating digits and the alternating digits, you know, one, two, one, two is number four. Uh, position number 22, they found was a little odd because it was two, five, eight, zero. And he tried to fi- he was trying to figure out the significance of it until he realized that it's just straight down the middle of the, uh, of the keypad. So that's, you know, that's why that works on a, like on a phone, you know, there you go. Uh, the interesting thing is, they, he also listed the 20 least frequently used uh, four-digit pins. And so the one at the very end uh, was, and was is very important to emphasize here, 8068. Of course, the fact that it's now being publicized as the least popular four-digit pin, <laughs> uh, it, it makes it probably not the least popular four-digit pin anymore. But uh, but interesting nonetheless. So yeah, don't use eight oh six eight. Really, you would be better off using a six-digit pin. Much harder to hack. But uh, but you know, uh, there you go. So it was just a cool article. Thank you so much for uh, for sharing, Bruce. Did you take a look at this too, John? The one thing that jumped out at me, Dave. So especially for musicians, mostly in the United States, if you were talking a one two seven-digit pin, oh, you could well, probably yeah. guess what is one of the more common ones. Yeah, I don't think it's just musicians. It's pretty much anybody that lived through the 80s. It'd be 8675309. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. At first, he was like, what do, what do these numbers mean? Yeah. Of course, Jenny, Jenny, who do I turn to? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I, and, I, I and he, but hilarious. speaking of, of decades, that was one of the uh, more popular things was, was, you know, he found all these numbers beginning with 1-9, and it was, you know, decades, either year of uh, a person's birth or, you know, their their child's birth or, you know, whatever it is. So for I'm whatever sure reason, 90210 is probably another one. And um, well, in a five, that's a five digit pin, not four. Yeah. If you're talking five digit. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So. Oh, and do you remember 02134? 02134. Yeah. Why does that sound familiar to me? I think that was a TV show. A, a young a, oh two Boston Mass oh two one three four. Oh. It was Zoom 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 a Zoom. Remember that? Oh, that? It was yeah, a kids that, show. Yeah, that but at was, the end they always did the zip code where the, I guess they, it was produced in Boston, and so they said oh two one three four. So you so just highlight, you just highlighted the difference, the, the the relatively minor difference between our ages, but but that's like right. like that and HR Puffin stuff. Like those were not part of my world as a kid. Oh. But like you Sid and, and Marty Croft productions, you, you, I know Sid and Marty Croft. Those? Well, okay. they did Land of the Lost, didn't they? With the sleigh stacks, wasn't that them too? Which was creepy when I was little, oh, and yeah. now you look at it and it's like, oh man, so oh, much cheesy. Cheese. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it was like those sleigh stacks they were scary. Me. They were terrifying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Well, thank you for that uh, that detour, folks, and thank you, Bruce, for for instigating it. Uh, lastly, a tip from Bill, uh, just to wrap up a conversation that we seem to have been having for a long, long time. Uh, Bill writes a few weeks ago, you were talking about merging two video files. He says, I found the best way to do this is a piece of software called MKV Toolmix. He says, I convert both files to MKV first using make and make MKV. 
And then I add the first one to MKV Toolnix and append the second one. I can then use Handbrake to convert the resulting file to MP4 or M4B. The reason I do it this way is that it preserves the chapter information from both files. In the past, when I've tried doing this, the second file loses its chapter info and becomes one long chapter appended to the uh, end of the first file. So thank you so much, Bill. Great, uh, great tip. Good stuff. I like it. Fun. Anything, uh, anything from you to add to this one, Mr. No. John? No. All right. Uh, with that in mind, I think it's time to move on to our questions. John, you want to take us to Terry? I'm going to take you to Terry. Terry has a good one, and actually it's very timely, uh, especially in light of my talking about mm. getting a new Mac Mini um, and Apple's uh, proclivity. Is that, is that, is that right? Uh, uh, Apple's habit of putting underpowered hard drives in a lot of their machines. Mm. So here's what Terry has to say. Hi, Dave and John. Can you tell me why the internal HDD is only linked at three gigabits per second and not six? This is a factory mid-2012 Mac Mini stock. I've ordered an SSD from Crucial and was hoping it would run at six gigabit link speed. And then he gives us a printout. And you may ask yourself, where did he get this printout of, of the various statistics about his machine. And I'm going to tell you where. So if you go to, well, there's a few ways you can get this. You can go to about this Mac in the Apple menu and then click on system report. Or the other clever way to do this, uh, what is it? Uh, here we go. Yeah, if you click on the Apple and then you hold down Alt or Option, you will also see system information. Same thing. And we'll run a program, and the place you want to go in that program is typically under the hardware category, and I think under typically the SATA category. So SATA is serially ATA, and that's the uh, bus that talks to things like hard drives and probably some other devices like uh, CD-ROMs, if you even have one, which actually, Dave, the machine I'm getting does not, although the one I have does. Hmm. <clears throat> So you'll see a bunch of statistics about your SATA connection. And what he saw was Intel 6 Series chipset. Okay, that's great. So using an Intel chip product, blah, blah. Link speed, 6 gigabits. Negotiated link speed, link speed 3 gigabits. Why is this happening, Dave? <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because I look further down on the list here. And the hard drive that he has is a Toshiba MK5065GSXF. So, using my Google Foo, I found these stats on this drive. And you know what? This drive happens to have a 3 gigabit per second, also known as SATA 2, connector. Oh, so, that's okay. exactly what's... Or, or interface. So, that's exactly why this is happening. So, when you see negotiated link speed, what happens is the chipset in the computer says, yep, I can do SATA 3 or 6 gigs. And the drive is like, nope, I can't. So let's negotiate. Let, let's talk. And it's like, I can only do three. Is that okay? And it's like, well, I guess. Sure. <laughs> if it's the best you can do. So that's why that's happening. To the question of whether your SSD will do six gigabits, well, it, make it sure doesn't you matter. Purchase, well, <laughs> well, no. Well, no. Make sure the SSD that you purchase is, in fact, capable of what we are going to call SATA 3, right. which is six gigabits. If you buy... An SSD, which I suppose you could, if you want to save some coin and you don't need it, I suppose you could buy a SATA 2 or SATA 1 SSD. So I don't know why you would, and I don't know if they even exist, but 
seeing as how hard disk drives or rotational drives with SATA 2 exist, I, I would say that they there may be SSDs that also have SATA 2 mm. interfaces. So just make sure when you buy the drive um, that it does have a SATA 3 interface and you should be good to go on your Mac Mini mid-2012. Sweet. Thank you, Mr. Braun. All right. Uh, Jose has a... I, I love questions like this. It's uh, it's great. He says... Uh, oh, it's tiny little text in this thing. Can I zoom that in? Is it possible? All right, here we go. Pinch or expand? Or yeah, something? he says... Uh, I got it. Uh, I would, I'm would. i a minister, he says, and I would like to see in a map the location of where all the members of the church are. They've given us all their addresses, and... I've put it in the contacts app on one of our Macs. Do you know of any application or trick that could help me with this? Preferably free or inexpensive. It's a great question. Um, I don't think there's a way to do this with Apple's contacts, uh, but if one of you knows about it, please let us know. However, inside Apple's contacts, you can sync your contacts to many things. Uh, if you just go into, you know, contacts accounts, you can sync them to iCloud, of course, but you can also sync to Google. So I recommend you set up a Google account. And obviously you need to be careful what Google account you use here because, you know, you're, you're talking about the privacy of your members. But I'll, I'll leave that up to you. I think you'll handle it just fine. But sync, a, sync them to a Google account. And then uh, there is a Chrome extension called Map My Contacts that will do exactly what you're looking for. So as long as you sync and, and once you add the Google account to your contacts app on your Mac, it becomes a two way sync. It's totally, you won't even think about it anymore. And of course that's both good and bad. You need to be aware that you're going to always be syncing everything on that Mac, unless you turn it off uh, to, to Google as well, but that's, what's going to do it. And uh, we'll put a link to this map, my contacts extension. It's a, just a Chrome extension. We'll put it in, uh, in our lovingly handcrafted show notes, of course. So, uh, so that's my answer for that, John. Do you have any, uh, any other thoughts on this? No. Okay. Well, that was helpful. That's good. Yeah. Well, there, no, sorry. no, it's good. There could be a Safari extension. There's um, not. There's I mean, not. there could be. Okay. You're right. Yeah. 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 I, I didn't find it, but it's possible. Yeah. I mean, there could be. And if you wanted to find Safari extensions, what are Safari extensions? Well, they're uh, similar to Chrome. Yeah. But if you go to the Safari menu in Safari, you will see in the Safari menu, Safari extensions, dot, dot, dot. And that'll bring you to a page at Apple, which will advertise um, and let you search through Safari extensions. And maybe there is one. I, I honestly did not search yeah, okay. for a solution to this problem. Yeah. Uh, my bad. No, no, no. Just not, it's not bad at all. It's, I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those interesting things. I, uh, I, I like this stuff. It's good. It's fun. All right. And, uh, and then on to Annie. Annie asks, do you have any recommendations for an email client for my Mac? I currently use the built-in mail client, but I would like to try something else. Um, there's lots of them. Uh, a lot of people are happy with Thunderbird on OS X. Airmail uh, is one that's that's got a lot of traction. Outlook is not something to be overlooked. There's a lot of people very, very happy with that on all platforms, uh, Mac and iOS. Cloud magic is another one. There's lots of them. The question you need to ask yourself is why are you moving away? I'm not, and I don't say that to discourage you. I say it so that you can narrow down what it is you're looking for. You know, if you're using Gmail, okay, now there's some specific apps that, that are going to work better or, or worse for you. 
Um, are you using an exchange server? Okay. Maybe outlook in that case might be uh, a little more synced up with the, the world you're living in. I still use Apple mail and I, I use Google for the most part uh, these days as my back end. I still want to move away from them uh, for a variety of reasons, but um, for, for right now I'm still with them. I like Apple mail because of how extensible it is, which means I can run uh, things like, uh, mail act on signature profiler, GPG mail, all these extensions that are built to work with Apple mail, third-party mail clients don't typically have enough of a user base to attract other developers to write extensions for them, even if they are extensible and not all of them are. So that's my reason for staying with Apple mail. But again, uh, you know, if you look and find another mail client that serves your needs, and you don't need extensions, well then just go with that. But, but that's the question is, is ask yourself, what is it that I'm not getting out of Apple mail? Um, and if it's just general email that you want to, you know, you just want to try something different to be different. I would look at Thunderbird or, or Outlook, maybe airmail. Those, those would be kind of the top three in, in my mind of the uh, alternative mail clients. John, do you have any thoughts on this? I did try I'll have to revisit it. I, I was pretty happy with Outlook. Yeah. It, it did almost everything I wanted an email client to do, though. I think it had some problems with aliases or managing mm-hmm. email accounts that were, you know, kind of shadowed, if you will, or, you know, forwarded from another domain. Uh, sure. I'll, I'll revisit it. Um, one thing worth mentioning is that uh, because I use them, and so far I'm pretty happy with them, is uh, Yahoo. Um, actually does have an iOS email client. But she's talking about um, for her Mac, but I mean, it, you know, yep. Well, and their web interface isn't, isn't, uh, isn't too bad either. Okay. So just to offer that, but, but on iOS, um, maybe they do offer a Mac client. You know, I haven't even explored that. Yep. Just because I'm, I'm like you, I, you know, I'm pretty happy uh, so far with mail. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I know what part. you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes unless it screws up. <laughs> right, right, right. But, uh, I should. I, I, I'm actually curious now if uh, Yahoo Mail, if there is a. Uh, I don't store. think there is. They've um, they've done some stupid things lately. But uh, uh, there are. It appears there are third. Uh, nothing officially from Apple, though. though uh, I'm sorry, Yahoo. Yahoo. But, yeah. Right. Um, certainly um, on iOS, they they do have one. Right. Right. So. Um, but yeah, yeah. You just ask yourself the question, what is it that I'm, why, why is it that you want to change? And it could just be that you want change. Okay, no problem. You know, then go for one of these more generic, kind of less specialized third-party clients. Because there's some that are very, very specialized. And even Google has one. So yeah, it's worth checking it all out. All right, John, you want to, uh, you want to take us to Kaz? Is that, is that a good place uh, to go? I hate to, but uh, yes, I will. Okay. So, um, well, it involves a fish shake, I think. But um, so Kaz says, "Hi guys, all this is not technically a Mac question, though I think it is. I need your help. I recently bought a camcorder, a Panasonic HC Dash V seven seven zero, and while I'm an avid photographer, I'm new to this whole video recording stuff. The camcorder, at its highest recording format, mode records in AVCHD at ten eighty slash sixty p." However, when I answered the recorded SD card in my Mac, Finder will not show me the actual scenes. I thought each scene is an individual file, and I can only play back the scenes using QuickTime Player. Um, I can't even copy the files from the SD card to my hard disk drive. 
HDD. Um, I think that's about it. I, I don't think I need to read any more here, but I've run into this, Dave. So here's the problem. Panasonic and their infinite wisdom. And I actually did, uh, for the longest time, I, I was a fan uh, of Lumix cameras, which are from these guys. And they decided they know better, so they're going to come up with this somewhat proprietary format. Mm. So I found a way to get around it. Um, so looking back in my, my archives, uh, or my records, Dave, I did have to deal with this. So I wasn't able to do it live, but I, but I think this will help you. So if you look at the AVCHD file, and how do you do this? Well, you right-click on it or control-click on it. So it's and a package? Say, <clears throat> yes. Really? Isn't that annoying? Okay. So somebody other than Apple... <laughs> to find their own package format. Isn't that great? <laughs> For a camera that could be used on any system. Yeah. <sighs> so See, wait, guys, wait. Is guys. it is it a pa- is it truly that Panasonic defined a package or is it that OS 10 decided to see it as a package? Um that You know could what I mean? I, I mean well, the it, thing there's is, a nuance it's basically there. it's All I know is that the last time I looked at one of these files I had to say open package in order to look inside of it. Yeah, I guess it doesn't matter. If you're on a Mac, it looks like a package. And what happens is the last I looked at one of these uh, AVCHD files, if you say open package, within that is yet another package, BDMV. And then inside of that is a folder. And within that is a bunch of files that are .mts, which I think is something that borders on something standard. Okay. So that's where you have to go in order to get to the files. And I think uh, at the time when I was doing this, I used Aperture. I'm not sure if Photos or or something else deals with it. Um, Those you should be able to deal with in QuickTime Player. And then QuickTime Player does have a save and also an export option. So I think that is going to be your best path. The other path is that I did find something called Free... AVCHD to MOV, MOV being Apple's uh, uh, movie format. So you can try that. And then the last thing, Dave, is that I'm almost certain, though I didn't have an AVCHD file, the yep. graphic converter, defi- despite its name, will also play and process, and I think also maybe load and export these type of files. And the thing is, you can get graphic converter. Uh, I've been using it for years. I think you have as well. Every now and then you got to throw it on some coin to uh, get the latest version. Sure. But, uh, you may want to see if that'll handle the conversion, opening it and exporting it as well. So that's what I got to offer. But um, I'm going to offer a fish shake to Panasonic. <laughs> Guys, what, what do you, are, are you that special that you need to come up with a proprietary video format? Are you really that much better than everybody else? And they seem to think that they are. I don't. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, their camera hardware is wonderful. Um, it's great. But, w- dude, when you're recording video, man, just just stick stick with the pack, all right? So, Tommy Please. Tommy in the chat room at com slash stream suggests using Handbrake. Does that um, – did you ever Ooh. try that? Because that um, – my guess is I he's had right. not, but Handbrake is uh, – I use it, and I think you use it, and most people use it for ripping DVDs, but right. uh, uh, that would – indicate to me that buried within handbrake is the ability to uh convert videos from one format to another yeah so um yeah uh that uh 
That's a great suggestion. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what Handbrake does, right? Because for Blu-rays, I I rip them to MKV and then use Handbrake to take it the rest of the way to get it to where I want it to be. So, yeah, it's crazy stuff, man. All right. Um, We're going to move to Royce here. Royce has some some good questions. They they might seem a little, uh, well, we'll just read it. Royce like many of us starts out by saying I am an accidental IT guy at my company due to the disappearance of our former IT person and the lack of his replacement. I'm learning things as I go. I have two questions. Number one, I have a Mac mini serving as a file server on the network. It doesn't do anything else and is not outward facing to the web. I'm getting alerts that the security certificates on it or have expired. I'm not sure how to renew them or even if I need to renew them, I'd rather not deal with them if they don't serve some purpose on my LAN. And I'll, I'll read question number two, and then we'll answer them in order, or maybe in reverse order. Let's see how we feel. Question number two is, in the server room, I noticed that the lights on the switches and the gateway are constantly flashing rapidly in unison, even first thing in the morning when no one else is in the network and in the office except me. Someone told me this is not good, and another person said this is normal. I've never seen them when they are not flashing. Is there a rogue device on my network causing this or is something else wrong? The flashing continues even when disconnected from the internet modem. So we'll do this in reverse, actually. Um, it's pretty normal, in my experience, for computers to pretty much always have something to say to each other, even when a user is not present. Uh, if you're sharing files or sharing printers, there's always going to be a little bit of chatter going on where things sort of keep saying, hey, I'm here Another thing say, I got you, you're there. Um, and then beyond that, there's protocols like like DHCP and ARP that kind of, for lack of a more descriptive term, just keep your network running and make sure that devices aren't crashing into each other and all of that. So yeah, some traffic on a switch kind of all the time, as long as there's like more than one device plugged into it, and maybe even if there's only one device plugged into it, that's pretty normal. Uh you know, computers and the, and all these other devices that we plug in, they're they're chatty on the network. They're it's not that they're responsive; they are proactive about uh, letting things, letting other devices know they're there. Would you agree with that, John? Absolutely. And if you're curious, you may want to break out a tool to see what's happening. Because yeah, everybody's as long as there's something plugged into the network, in all likelihood. If for no other reason, it's going to either be asking what's happening or accepting information from other people saying, right. hey, do this. Um, it's just the way it works. So, yeah. So, whoever said that the blinking lights are bad, uh, uh, in my humble opinion, is misinformed. Um, or now, intentionally misleading you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Let's put on our tinfoil hats. That's right. Um, now, the thing is that you may want to... You may... You may ask yourself, how, <laughs> how did I, I get here? This? Right. Um, but you may want to see what exactly is going across your network. And in that case, then you could dig in and there are the tools to do this. Um, the one that I like is Wireshark. For this, um, But there are absolutely. other tools. Yeah. Um, Dabuki, uh, which you and I have a fondness for, uh, because it lets you do some sneaky kind of things here to target certain devices. But Dabuki is another tool that I yep. would recommend uh, checking out that shows you what chatter is occurring on your network. 
Um, but for a network with anything plugged into it, um, to have no traffic to me is the exception rather than the rule. There's always something happening. Right. At least I've never seen a situation where there's nothing happening. Now, I suppose if you lock down your network and you're in a highly secure environment and you got, you know, all the security and stuff, I suppose it's possible you could have a network where there is nothing happening, but I've certainly have not, uh, I have never in my experience seen such a thing. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And, and we'll run for fun in, in the chat room mentions that uh, Wireshark will only show you the things that your computer sees and it's possible. I mean, if there's something that's broadcasting to everything on the network, then of course you're going to see that because that's the point. But uh, the way a switch works, it, it actually compartmentalizes the traffic to make things more efficient. And it says, okay, these two devices need to talk. So I'm just going to limit their traffic to just them. And if you plug into another switch, you're not going to see it in uh, in Wireshark. Dabuki, on the other hand, will let you monitor the traffic meant for another device. And, and, uh, and so that can be really handy uh, in, in terms of, of seeing what's going on on your network. My guess, though, in, in the situation that Royce describes here, Wireshark is going to do enough to sort of appease you mm. and, and show you, yeah, look, there's all this broadcast traffic yeah. happening. It's normal. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, of course, the other thing is if you are in an admin role, and you actually uh, have administrator access to the switch, and of course you can see everything. But as Dave said, a switch, its purpose is... Uh, so in the old days, you had a thing called a hub. And the thing is, the, the, the problem with the hub is they were very inefficient because they took traffic and they broadcast it to everybody. And then everybody everything to, to everyone. Yeah, that's and right. And then everybody had to decide, okay, here's the parts that I'm going to process because I think they're for me. The problem is that strategy is most smart people doing networks uh, devices eventually figured out is, you know, it's kind of inefficient for me to broadcast everything to everybody. Why don't we make the device smart? So it only sends traffic from the sender to the recipient. If uh, I think that is the intent of the traffic. And so switches are way more efficient. Right. But the downside is that you can't be a sneaky little spy dude and <laughs> monitor traffic not meant for you because typically unless you use something like Dabuki, which does something I believe called ARP spoofing. Right. So normally you can't do this. If traffic is not meant for you, normally you cannot see it. But if you use a tool that does clever things like Dabuki, then yes, you can see things that are not necessarily meant for you. Now they may still be encrypted uh, or well, scrambled. Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, if whoever's using it is using HTTPS or certificates or, or things like that. And that may be leading to the, the second question here, but it, it is. Yeah, no, that's, 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 I'm glad because I was actually had forgotten about the second question. I'll blame my head cold and thank you, John. Um, so the second question, I'm guessing if you're getting warnings about certificates, you are probably on an old OS or at least an unupdated version of, uh, of, of whatever OS you're on. Um, here's the thing. I get that that server is not front facing to the web. However, um, unless that server is not doing anything on the internet, you're going to want to update those certificates, even pulling things from the internet, like updates for other pieces of software. You're going to need to connect to secure sites from time to time. You're going to need to do things like that. 
And those root certificates that live on your Mac are the core of that. So it, it is worth doing those updates. And in my opinion, I think um, it, it should just come with an OS update. Uh, you know, if you run and I get that, that that's a difficult thing to do because it usually requires a restart of the system and that logs everyone off. So you might have to do this, you know, when you get there and then there's no one there or, or anything like that. But you, you do want to make sure those certificates are up to date. That That's my opinion, John. Um, it depends on what the certificate is for. So I'm actually running. So actually on both of my machines, I've run OS 10 server and there is a certificate category under the server thing. Um, now mm. it could be a certificate. That's a root certificate as you pointed out. So root certificates are certificates that are issued by, you know, these companies that also issue certificates that secure websites. And it could be that the root is expired or old in which case, yeah, as Dave said, you want to update that. But it could be a certificate that the server has generated to secure mm. traffic between itself and others. And the thing is, you will get alerts from OS 10 server saying, yeah, dude, this is going to expire. Um, the thing is, certific expired certificates will still secure traffic, but as you've seen, they're going to raise alerts not only on the server but probably any client that tries to connect to your server is also going to complain saying well you know uh, I see the certificate but it's old and a lot of times you can override that sort of thing and say okay well even though the certificate on this server is old which to me implies that somebody's not paying attention and not doing their job right um <clears throat> Or doesn't want to pay to get a new certificate. So the thing is that the traffic, uh, the traffic may still be encrypted, but it's a warning sign that something's not right, and and you should really fix that. Now it could be depending on how your system or systems are set up that they may just refuse to connect to a site that has a expired certificate. Um, in which case, then your traffic is at risk. So uh, depending on the type of certificate, if it's a root certificate. Or a self-signed. The thing is, um, OS 10 will. I mean, I'm looking right now, and I, I've gotten these alerts too. I, I don't know if you run server uh, on not, a regular basis. Not routinely, Dave. yeah, no. But mine will come up, and and the thing is, you can also generate certificates. For example, if you're a developer, um, you will also, I think, in in some cases, be asked to generate a certificate. Um, so you can sign your stuff that you sure. to Apple and no, it's going to come to you right. and say, and I think push, uh, I think push notifications, which I, you do, Dave, I think that also happens is that those are signed and in a, in a sense secure. And at some point you're going to get a warning saying, uh, dude, your certificate for your push notifications is expiring. You better renew it. Otherwise it's, it's, I, I think it just won't work. Well, yeah, right. That, that, and that's, yeah, that's outward pushed stuff. But even, I bet you're right. It, this is, these are internal certificates for their network. I'm, I, I didn't even think of that when, uh, when this came up. So I'm sure you're right. And you do, you want to renew those. You want to keep those up to date and, uh, and, and it should be pretty straightforward. We'll, we'll put a couple of things in the show notes for you and that should, uh, that should take care of it. All right. I, John, I know you have to, uh, you have to get off and, uh, shortly here and, do Mac Roundtable, where you guys are going to talk about the uh, the, the the Apple event uh, in greater detail than we did here. So, uh, so I want to do one last question, and we'll go to Eric. 
And Eric asks, it just makes me even sad to bring this up. On my iPhone 6S Plus running iOS 9.2.1, I have keyboard shortcuts set up in settings, general keyboard text replacement. For the life of me, I can't get these keyboard shortcuts to migrate over to my mid-2010 iMac running El Capitan. They do appear on my mid-2012 MacBook Pro running El Capitan. On the iMac and the phone, I've toggled iCloud Drive on and off with no luck. Any suggestions? Well, other than giving up on technology for good and just uh, kind of living <laughs> out in the woods, Eric, I guess we'll offer some suggestions. But I routinely have this problem this is one of these holy grail questions maybe not holy grail it's a white whale question of mac geek uh, we we actually we have another one it's that that whole wi-fi network syncing thing but i have a, a tip on that that i, I want to share just be, to to enlighten everyone we'll, we'll we'll hit that quickly at the end here um but this is one of those because it's so darned inconsistent Here's the things that I've tried and had work at times. One of them is signing completely out of iCloud and then signing back in. Uh, that can fix it, as can toggling iCloud Drive on and off, but you've already tried that. It could also be that you need to turn off iCloud Drive syncing for all of your devices. Remember, it's not just your devices that are involved here, but there's whatever Apple's cloud thinks is the master. And sometimes you need to kind of shove that down its throat. So if you turn off iCloud drive syncing for all of your connected devices and then turn it on only for the phone that has the keyboard shortcuts you want or the, the um, MacBook pro right. That has them let that sync, let that do its thing. Add something new to the keyboard shortcuts. Let that push an update up to the server that hopefully will get the server to say, ah, this one's the master, then turn it on on the next one and do the same thing. Add a shortcut to that device. Hopefully it'll start doing some cross syncing. Then add a third one, add a shortcut to that one. You can delete all these, these additional shortcuts once you've got everything happy and done. But a lot of times that's what you need to do is add a shortcut to the device. That's not syncing to sort of force it to play catch up and say, Oh yeah, well I'm here. Everything's good. So I know that's not much of an answer, but that's all we got. So, uh, so I'm going to throw it out there. John, do you have any, any further thoughts on that one? <laughs> I just shake my fist. Yeah. Right. That that often, that actually is more productive than any of the things we've mentioned, because at least it makes you <laughs> feel better. Uh, well, about I it. will mention that uh, I do believe if you log in through the web to iCloud, there is an option. And, and I think you're going down the right path is that I believe there's an option where you could say, okay, anybody, who's on iCloud, my iCloud account, go away. Right. And I think you can, you can instruct iCloud to kick everybody off. And sometimes it could be that one or more devices logged into iCloud are, are doing things that you don't want. So by kicking everybody off and, you know, sadly, I, I hate for this to be the answer to solving problems, but sometimes effectively turning it off and on again sometimes fixes the problem. And I think this, in the case of iCloud, is the way to do that, is kick everybody off and then... Yeah, one by it, one. It settles down and, you know, and is happy. And then once people log back in, everything is wonderful again. You hope. 
<laughs> so what, one thing, and, and I, you know, we've touched on this in previous episodes and there's actually been a long discussion in our, in our Facebook group at MacGeekGab.com slash Facebook uh, about the issue where Wi-Fi networks come back. You tell it, forget this network and it comes back. Logan. <laughs> yeah. Logan Wi-Fi. Logan Wi-Fi. Yeah. Well, you hang love on. Logan. Er, hang Logan on. Wi-Fi loves you, dude. Oh, oh, yeah. So here's the thing, though. Somebody pointed this out. On the Mac, Wi-Fi networks are system-wide preferences. So if I choose to log into a Wi-Fi network, another user that logs into that machine will also be logged into that same Wi-Fi network. Makes sense. You know, the computer's there. It should log in. All good. Well, that means that both users on that computer will now have that Wi-Fi network in their preferred list, even though the second user didn't add it intentionally. So part of what happens is these Wi-Fi networks, if say my son logs in to Logan Wi-Fi on his phone and we share an iMac at the house, which we do, and we both log into that, well, we're both going to inherit each other's preferred networks lists. And I think that's where some of this comes from. It, it sounds like certainly from the people that are, that are both it, if you look at the group of people that experience this issue and the people that don't, there's a clean, a pretty clean divide between those that share a computer and somewhere in their lives and those that don't. And I, I think that's a big part of it. So, you know, if I want Logan Wi-Fi to go away, I have to convince my entire family to make it go away. And, uh, you know, as much as I like to say I rule with an iron fist, I'm, I'm not really convinced that I do, but, uh, but they all hate that Logan Wi-Fi thing too. And since, the, I pay for the bandwidth. Well, maybe we can make this, you know, we can make this go away together. But it's it's going to be a family effort. At know. least you don't rule with an iron wing. No, that's what Hector does. Well, she rules with an iron beak. Uh, ah, wing, I'm sorry. Her wing is her wing is quite uh, quite fragile. I, I her beak do is, seem to recall at one point it was an iron wing, but I think it evolved into a, a, a yeah. Yeah, it's a, definitely an iron beak for uh, for Hector D. Bird. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, we mentioned uh, our Facebook group, of course, and uh, and we'd love to see you there. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com is the place where you can go to send us pretty much anything you want. And what my esteemed colleague said, in case you didn't hear him, is feedback at MacGeekGab.com. No, 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 no. That's feedback at MacGeekGab.com, unless you're a premium listener, in which case you can use premium at MacGeekGab.com. If you want to learn more about premium, visit us at MacGeekGab.com. We really appreciate all of you that contribute as part of our premium program, and uh, and we would love to have more of you as a member if, in fact, you are able to do so. If you want to call us, whether or not you are a premium member, 224-888-GEEK. That's the number, and John Geek is? It always been, and it always will be, 4335. That's right. Cashfly at dot com provides all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. And they just started using Varnish, which is pretty cool, because we use that here at, uh, at TMO Towers as well. The podcast Marketplace, as we mentioned, includes ProXPN uh, at ProXPN.com slash MacGeekGab. For a free VPN and then coupon code GAB50 saves you 50% off of their premium offering. Otherworld Computing at MaxSales.com. 
Barebones software at barebones.com. Squarespace at squarespace.com slash MGG, where coupon code MGG saves you 10%. Smile software at smile, or I'm sorry, smile at smilesoftware.com slash geek. You can learn about the latest deals that they offer via us to you. Gazelle at gazelle.com to sell off all your old stuff so you can buy that new iPad Pro. Casper at casper.com slash MGG, where coupon code MGG saves you 50 bucks. Free shipping on a great mattress. John, give him something to last the week. I'm going to give him something because uh, you, you almost... Uh you almost blew it there, buddy. But um, but I'm going to say you you pulled through. You made it. You still have your voice, which means that you didn't get caught. Made up.